Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. And our vision is simply this. We exist so that people can discover the new story Christ has for their lives. And that comes from 2 Corinthians 5.17, that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So in Christ, you can become a new creation. You can have a new story. And then when we come together as the church, as we're doing this week with Eight Days of Hope, we write a new story of hope and life and resurrection in our community and in our city. And so that's why we exist. But that brings up some questions. What does it mean for us more detail to live in that new story that Christ has for us, to become more Christ-like and to become who it is that he's called us and asked us and designed us to be? And so we broke it down this way. We said, if somebody is in Christ, they're a new creation. They've left behind the old. They're living in the new that Christ has for them. We, we broke down these core values and said, here's what we believe someone's life will look like. We believe that if you're living in your new story, that we will become people of service and celebration. That's what we talked about in week one of this series. That as people in our new story, we serve God and we serve others. We celebrate God and we celebrate others. In fact, service is a gateway to celebration because when you're serving others, you're celebrating them. You're taking the attention off yourself and you're putting the attention on them. Last week was week two. We talked about trust. If we're going to live in our new story, we're going to trust God above all else, and we're going to learn to trust others because we need each other. This week, we're going to be diving into outstanding effort. Next week, we're going to talk about relationships, and my wife Kim's going to be speaking, so we are pumped for that. And then the final week, we're talking about how when we are living in our new story, we say yes to God. And saying yes to God means saying no to sin. It means saying no to the old life. And it means saying yes to all of the life that he's invited us into. And I'm just pumped for this whole series. It's been so exciting to walk through this with each and every one of you. And we're pumped for those of you who've joined us online as well to have this discussion. But today we're going to talk about outstanding effort. We believe that as those who are following Christ— that we are to be the people that give outstanding effort. We are to be the people who care about excellence. We give our all. We don't leave anything left on the table. We give everything that we have because we recognize that everything that we do represents and is a reflection of Christ. This comes from Colossians 3.17 where Paul writes, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So Paul is saying, hey, whatever you do, whatever you speak, whatever you say, whatever you do, and however you do it, do it all as if you're doing it for him. Do it all as if he is with you by the power of his Holy Spirit in that moment. We are going to give everything that we have. We are going to be a people who are marked by giving outstanding effort. He gave his very life so we give all that we have in serving and following him. We care about giving outstanding effort. And so can we just take a moment and thank everyone who volunteers on our story team and the outstanding effort that they give every single week here? We have people, you may or may not know this, we have people who have to come and set all of this up every week. They have to set up the speakers. They have to set up the screen. We have people who are sweeping out in the lobby, who sweep in here. We have people who are cleaning bathrooms. We have people who are setting stuff up, who have to tear down the pipe and drape every week. We have to set up a space for kids and serve in our children's ministry. And so many of the people on our team, they're looking to do it with excellence and precision and outstanding effort. And we're so grateful for that. But I also believe that this heart of outstanding effort to do everything as if you're doing it for Christ in word or deed doesn't just stop here on Sunday morning, but it's something that we carry into our everyday lives. I have a vision that as the church, one of our greatest testimonies to the world around us will be the way in which we work. 
that we are not going to be the people who cut corners. We're not going to be the people who cheat out people's time. We're not going to be the people who are dishonest or just, you know, give half of our effort. But we are going to be the people who recognize that all that we're doing is in representation of Christ. And so in that, I think that we as the church, we should be the best managers. If you're flipping burgers, you should be the best burger flipper. Whatever it is that you're doing, if you're a student, to be the best student possible because you are reflecting the nature and integrity of Jesus. That as families, we're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to get it perfect, but we are going to fight for our families to the best of our abilities because the the way in which we live our lives, the effort that we put into that as if we are serving Christ is a testimony to the world around us that we have been transformed by Christ. That's our vision. That's how we can, that's, and so I know this can get a little difficult because we start wondering, okay, well, we're talking about working and working hard and doing things with excellence, but you know, we don't work for our salvation. Christ did all the work for us. And I would hundred percent agree with that. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is very clear on that. And so I would say it this way, we don't work for our salvation, but our work reflects the character of our Savior. We don't work for, he did all the work for us, amen? He did all the work for us. He made it possible for us to be saved, to be rescued, to have new life, but our work reflects the character and the nature of our Savior. We're going to get to more of that in just a moment. But first I want to maybe talk about, well, not maybe, definitely, we're going to talk about why do we sometimes struggle to give outstanding effort? Any of you been there before? You know you should be giving outstanding effort. You know you should be going with excellence, but you're just struggling and you don't want to give it all. And maybe you're watching somebody else and you're thinking, why do they get to cut corners and I don't get to cut corners, but they get noticed and I don't get noticed and they got a raise and I didn't get a raise. And what, they got, the, what, what, how, why is this happening? This isn't fair. Sometimes we start and we, why don't, why don't we always give outstanding effort? So I want to go over a few reasons why sometimes we struggle to give outstanding effort. And the first one's going to be the difficult one. We're just going to rip the band-aid right off, all right? We're just going to rip it right off. Here's the, 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 one, the difficult reason. The other ones will be a little more sensitive too, but let's just all be honest in here again with one another. Sometimes laziness takes over. <laughs> Sometimes we get a little bit lazy. My brother up here said, what? Yes, what? Yep, yep. Sometimes we just get a little bit lazy. You've been there before? You've been there before? I've been there before. Oh, man, you know. Well, yes, I work from home, and I just made lunch for myself, and I could do the dishes right now because I have the time to do so, but Kim's going to be home later, and Kim could just do these dishes, and I know she's been working all day, and, you know, she would probably want to do them because then she'd feel like she's adding value to the house and everything. So, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, maybe. And then she comes home, she's like, Scott, what's wrong with you? You're making a mess of the house. And you're, you're right, I am making a mess of the house. And so I have to be chastised for this because I'm just being lazy. Somebody else will take care of it. Somebody else will do it. And we think these things. You know, the scriptures have a lot to say about laziness. I'm going to turn to, by the way, just a heads up, I'm going to be all over the scriptures today. This is not an exegetical verse-by-verse message. We're going to be all over the place today. But the scriptures have a lot to say about laziness. And there's a, there's a humorous way in which Solomon addresses laziness in Proverbs 22. He said this, the sluggard says, or your translation might say, the lazy person says, there is a lion outside. I will be killed in the streets. In Proverbs, what, what Solomon's doing here is he's taking this humorous take on it that the lazy person will look for any excuse possible not to do something. The lazy person will look for any possible excuse not to do something. 
So you might not be saying, oh, there's a lion outside. I can't do any work right now. Maybe it would sound something a little bit more extreme like this. Well, you know, I'd really like to mow the lawn, but I heard that sometimes squirrels get rabies and I've seen a few squirrels in my lawn lately. So, you know, I better not go outside because what if I got bit? You don't want me getting bit by a rabid squirrel, do you? So I just better not mow the lawn. I'm much better off just to sit on the couch right now and watch some Netflix. It might sound something like this. You know, I could do I you know, I could do the dishes, but I saw a butter knife was in there. And one time when I was a kid, I stabbed myself with a steak knife by accident. What if I were to stab myself with a butter knife? We don't want to work, you know, we I mean, we just can't risk it. We can't risk it, right? We can't risk that. You know, I it it looks like it looks like we could uh, vacuum right now. The the house is pretty messy. But I'm a pretty clumsy person. What if I tripped on the cord? I mean, I just, <laughs> I better not get up and vacuum. It'd be much better if somebody else could take care of that because I don't want to trip. I, you know, I don't, you know, it's better if somebody else does it. The lazy person will look for any excuse possible. Any excuse possible to not do something. And all those were extreme examples, but we know when we start to get these excuses in our minds of, oh, I could do this, I could do that. But, but laziness will directly start to connect to just living for self. One little door and one little creep, and I'm just going to be lazy right now. What it will begin to do is you'll start to just live for self, and you'll start to think that everybody else should just do everything for you. But we're not called to be selfish people. We're called to be selfless people, as we talked about in serving others. And so we have to fight against, we have to ruthlessly fight against laziness. So from now on, when I make my lunch during the day, I'm going to do my dishes. You know why? Because I want Kim to be able to come home and relax. She doesn't have to take care and clean up my mess. I have to be responsible. We can't be lazy. We can't be lazy. And I just publicly said that. So Kim's going to remind me of this every single time now. I wasn't even planning on saying that. It must have been the Holy Spirit. So I got to, you know, thanks God. But anyways, so we, we can't be lazy. Laziness leads to selfishness. But we got to rip that out. Now, the other couple of reasons I want to talk about, I have a little bit, we have a little bit more sensitivity for, a little bit more grace for. Why do we struggle with giving out outstanding effort? And the second one is Burnout. And burnout stinks, man. Burnout is horrible. If you've been in a spot where you've been burned out before, you know that it's a horrible feeling. It's an overwhelming feeling. You get caught in a cycle when you're burned out and you wonder, how do I get out of this cycle? Burnout typically comes from saying yes to everything and never saying no to anything. Never saying no to anything. I think that works, but either way. So it, it comes from saying yes, 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 yes. And you think you're just being a really selfless person. But then before you know it, you're being burned out. And you haven't had time to recharge. You haven't had time to refresh. Coming from someone who has been burned out before, it's a very horrible feeling. You think, how do I get out of this? What do I do? We did a message on this last year called Don't Be a Burnout, if you want more extensive uh, teaching on this. But this is such a hard feeling to wrestle with, and you've been giving so much effort in so many places, you get to the point where you're like, I can't give anything else. And you're stuck in a cycle because you haven't taken time to refresh your soul. Did you know that Jesus took naps sometimes? Jesus took naps. You know, Jesus went away to pray sometimes. Jesus went away to refresh his soul. So if anybody's ever trying to say to you, well, you just haven't been given enough because you're not doing enough for God, you might need to say, hey, <laughs> hey, I need to refresh for a moment. And then you'll actually get a better version of me. 
Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, if you've been struggling with burnout, Jesus said this, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. You know what I love about that? Jesus doesn't say, hey, get all of your stuff together and then come to me. Jesus doesn't say, hey, figure everything out and then come to me. Jesus doesn't say, hey, once you have all of your ducks in a row and then come to me, then I'll give you rest. Jesus just says, hey, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will refresh your soul. Come to me and I will give you the strength that you need. Come to me and you will find rest in me. So you know what this means? Take a nap. Turn off your phone. Spend some time in scripture. Turn off your phone again. Keep the phone off. Just stay disconnected. There's this thing called airplane mode. It's wonderful. I've been using do not disturb. Neil's like, why do you always have do not disturb on? Because Neil, I don't need notifications all the time. But but just turn on do not disturb. Turn the phone off. Disconnect. You might be saying, Scott, I don't even have five minutes. How many times have you thought, I'm going to go scroll my phone for five minutes and you look up and realize it's been 15 You got five minutes somewhere. You got five minutes where you could just close your eyes for a moment and pray. Where you could just, for a moment, get out a paper Bible because oftentimes we start looking at the scripture on our phone. Oh, notification popped up. And then you're gone. Get out, and I'm not trying to be too old school here, but get out a paper version of the scriptures if you're easily distracted and just start reading and use that five minutes. You'd be shocked what God can do with five minutes when you run to him for rest. You'd be stunned by what Christ can do and how he can begin to refocus you and rebuild your soul. Sometimes you struggle to give outstanding effort because of burnout. Our God is the one who promises to give us rest. Just run to him and he will give you rest. Then thirdly, sometimes we don't give outstanding effort because we just simply feel unqualified. We feel like, oh, I, I, I want to do something. I could do something. I would like to do something, but ah. I just don't have what it takes. I want to do something. I want to make a difference. I'd love to serve at New Store. I'd love to serve at Eight Days of Hope. I'd love to make a difference even where in my workplace or at school. But I just don't know if I were to say something, would it be the right thing? I just don't know. I don't feel qualified. And we have to look no further than the early church to see that it's not about all the degrees you have. It's not about all this experience you've had. It's not about, oh, you know, you did this or you did that. When we go to Acts chapter three and four, in Acts chapter three, Peter and John are walking along and there's a man who, who has been lame. He's, he's looking for healing and he's looking for money. And Peter says, hey, silver and gold I do not have, but what I will give you is to get up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. And he heals this man. And people are stunned and they start getting really upset because Peter and John have healed a guy. And then they throw Peter and John in prison and things start getting really crazy. And then Peter and John are talking to the religious leaders who are really upset with them for healing somebody. And look at what the religious leaders noticed about them in Acts 4.13. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. They were what? They understood they were uneducated and untrained men. These uneducated and untrained guys were a part of a movement that started 2,000 years ago that is still changing the world to this day, that is still changing lives to this day. This movement called the church that declares the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were the definition of unqualified by worldly standards. But what was different about them? They had been with Jesus. Amen. If you're here today and you're feeling unqualified, you're wondering, could I do something? 
spend some time with Jesus, you'd be shocked at what he's placed within you and what you can do to give outstanding effort for the purposes of building his kingdom. I've been very open about this before. I oftentimes struggle with feeling unqualified. Do I have the credentials to do this? Should I be doing this? And then I just, in regular everyday life, I can't do simple things. I cannot do simple things that people should be able to do. Just two weeks ago, I was visiting uh, my nephews, and I was with my brother-in-law, John, and he said, hey, let's, we're going we're gonna to tie up these wagons to these tractors, and we're going to drive them around. And I thought, oh, this sounds like a fun idea. And I, he said, can you tie up that wagon to the tractor? I go and tie it up. He said, what were you thinking? He had to go and retie everything that I did. I did it horribly. The wagon would have become disconnected. The wagons ended up breaking anyway, but the wagon would have become disconnected. And I just had, like, I can't tie a stupid knot. Like, Scott, what is wrong with you? I get on the tractor. I was having a hard time starting the tractor. I can't start a tractor. What is wrong with me? And just little things like that, they make me feel so unqualified sometimes. They make me feel like, Scott, you can't do the most simple things in the world. Have you been there before? There's little simple things that you think, I should know how to do this, but I have no idea how to do this. And then it makes you question everything about yourself. You're just like, can I just, yeah, you know? But if you've been with Jesus, if you have been with Jesus, It doesn't matter what the world's qualifications are. He has placed something within you by the power of his Holy Spirit and people will recognize that there is something different about you. People will recognize that something has happened within you. You might feel unqualified, but God has given you what you need. So just go all in as if you're doing it for him. When Peter and John, they had a further conflict with these religious leaders, they said these words, they were so powerful in Acts 4, 19 through 20. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. But we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We can't stop talking about it. You can't shut us up. We just can't stop talking about it. If you ever feel unqualified when you're starting to serve, if you ever feel unqualified in giving outstanding effort, you have a short sentence that you can always say, Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed my life. And if you can say that, if you can declare that, you would be stunned at what God can do in and through your life with just those simple words because there is power in the name of Jesus. And if you can just speak about what he has done in your life, you would be stunned by what God can do in and through you. You might feel unqualified, but if you've been with Jesus, he's given you everything you need for the season, for the moment, and for the time that you are in. Sometimes we struggle with outstanding effort. We could be lazy. We could be burned out. We could feel unqualified. But Christ has given us what we need. So why do we value outstanding effort? When I say this is something we value, this is something that's so important. We believe that you're living in your new story if you give outstanding effort. Well, as I said earlier, outstanding effort in what we do, it reflects the character of our Savior. But I want to give us a few more points to break this down a little bit. Here's Here's some ideas as to why we give outstanding effort. First of all, we have been given a mission. Did you know that? That we have been given a mission. We have been given a mission by Jesus Christ himself, our Lord and Savior. He gave a mission to his disciples that we carry with us to this day. We exist as his church to carry out his mission. And if it's a mission that's been given to us by the one who gave his life for us, then we are going to give our all for that mission. We're not joking around. We're not going to you know, just, just slack and just give a little bit of what we have. We're going to give our all of what we have because we've been given a mission by our Lord and Savior. 
Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus makes this mission clear when he says to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So there's a cool promise there. He says, hey, I've given you a mission, but also I'm gonna be with you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But he says, go and make disciples. This is a important mission and task that he has given to his church, that he's given to us to carry out. And sometimes we've minimized this. We've said, oh, Matthew 28, 19, that means that we just need to go share the gospel with people. That is a huge part of the mission. That is a huge part of the mission. So don't hear me wrong on that. But we, we have to do so much more than just say something. There's more that we can do than to just say something. Because to be a disciple was to be a student of a teacher. To be a disciple was to, to submit to the way of your rabbi as the, the disciples had done with Jesus and allow his teachings to transform you and to change you. So Jesus says to go make disciples. And so with that comes a declaration with our mouths, but with that also comes a new kind of life that we are going to start to live. It comes with us a call, a task, an assignment from God himself. And so as we go to make disciples, it's not just, oh, I'm just going to go tell people what to do. It's, yes, I'm going to declare the gospel, but we are also going to live the gospel. We are going to let Christ transform us, and then we are going to invite others into that transformed life, and we are going to live life with them and make more and more and more and more disciples. Sometimes we think, oh, I can just go say something, then let that person go figure things out. And every once in a while, yeah, we go plant a seed, and then God brings somebody else into someone's life. But oftentimes what God is asking us to do is not just to declare the gospel, but also live the gospel with someone else and bring them into a life of discipleship, of following Jesus. And you know what that takes? That takes out standing effort. That takes time. That takes us being committed to Christ above all else and inviting others to be committed to him as well because we've been given an assignment from him. We've been given an assignment from our Savior, so we give outstanding effort. Secondly, and this one I talk about here a lot, but it's just so cool. I don't want us to miss this. We give outstanding effort because we are participating in an eternal kingdom. We are participating in an eternal kingdom. When Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's inviting us to participate in that which is eternal. Jesus said eternal life is that they know me. We are existing in and living in a story and living in a reality that is beyond ourselves, that is outside of ourselves. We are a part of something that, as we were singing earlier, he's the same God. Yesterday, today, and forever, we are existing in something that is beyond us. We are participating in the eternal. That's why when Paul's writing about the resurrected life in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says this in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Your toil, your work, what you're doing is not without a point. What you're doing, eight days of hope, folks, as you're serving this week, what you're doing is not without a point. You are a part of bringing restoration to the creation that is groaning for restoration, as Paul talks about in Romans 8. It says the creation is groaning for restoration, and we are bringing that healing and restoration as we are representatives and ambassadors of Christ wherever he has called us to be. 
Amen. Yeah, come on. Like, that's something that's something to be excited about. We are connected to eternity. We are connected to something beyond ourselves. What you're doing is not without a point. It's not in vain. It's not, oh, you know, I just, I just went and served someone. I just, you know, I just did this. No, we are connected to something beyond ourselves. It is not without a point. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright describes it this way. It's a really long quote, so brace yourselves, but it gives us such a beautiful picture of what God is doing in and through us and how we are connected to his kingdom and to eternity. He says this, every act of love, gratitude, and kindness, every work of art or music inspired by the love of God, and delight in the beauty of his creation, every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to read or to walk, every act of care and nurture, of comfort and support for one's fellow human beings, and for that matter, one's fellow non-human creature, and of course, every prayer, all spirit-led teaching, every deed that spreads the gospel, builds up the church, embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption, and makes the name of Jesus honored in the world. All of this will find its way through the resurrecting power of God into the new creation that God will one day make. Everything that we do in the name of Christ is somehow connected to his kingdom existing into the future. That's why the same spirit that was in the risen Christ dwells within us. We have been given a glimpse and a sight into the future that God is building and we are building his future. We are a part of what God is doing and he's called us into that. It's a beautiful picture of who we are and what we have been called to do. The work that you're doing for the name of Christ in Christ, it's not disconnected from what's to come. It's connected. This is why the resurrection Christ in his new body was walking around and, you know, he was able to walk through walls and he ascended into heaven. He was like flying, doing all this crazy stuff. At the end, the resurrected body that Christ had still had, he still had the scars. Why? Because the work that was done that had an eternal purpose exists in the life to come. The work that's done that has an eternal purpose, loving one's neighbor, caring for the creation, it exists in the life to come. New creation is bursting forth through his church and we are connected to eternity. This is not without a point. The work you're doing is not in vain. You are connected to eternity. You're connected to his purposes. That's why we give outstanding effort because we're connected to something beyond ourselves. And lastly, we give outstanding effort because of the example of Jesus. Jesus gave his all. Jesus gave everything that he had. He gave his all. When Jesus taught, he didn't waste a word. He had the most brilliant teachings ever. When Jesus healed someone, he healed them. When Jesus was listening to others, he listened so well. When Jesus cared for others, he cared for them in such a miraculous and unique way that they couldn't help but to tell others about what this man had done for them. Jesus gave his all. And Jesus was so extreme in giving his all that he gave his very life. And in giving his, of his life, what he did was he submitted to human limitations. He submitted to death itself so that you and I would not have to experience death. That's how far Jesus went. Jesus gave his all so that life could burst forth for humanity, so that we would not have to live ensnared to death, so that we would not have to experience the fullness of death and destruction, but we could experience resurrection and life. 
when Paul talks about the process that Jesus went to in Philippians chapter two, he says this in Philippians two, verse eight, being found in reference to Jesus in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself so much that he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ gave his all. So we as his church, as those who are following him, we give our all. We hold nothing back. We keep moving forward. We put our foot on footle. We put our foot on the gas pedal and we keep moving forward. We don't let up because we know that what we are doing is connected to eternity. We know that what we are doing is not in vain. We know that what we are doing is walking as disciples on the assignment that Christ has given us. So we do not let up. Whatever you do, do it in the name and for Jesus Christ because we are connected to eternity. We have a design and a purpose in him. So we are going to give outstanding effort. Just look at your neighbor and say, you can give outstanding effort. Say it. Say, you can give outstanding effort. You can give outstanding effort. You can give outstanding effort. Let's be committed to that church. We're giving outstanding effort. And it's not just so we feel good about ourselves. We give outstanding effort because he gave his all for us. And we're doing everything that we do as if we're doing it for him. He gave his all, so we give our all. We are going to fight against laziness. Don't let laziness take over. If you feel burned out, turn to him in prayer. Maybe let somebody here know today and let somebody pray for you. Let somebody pray for you today. If you've been saying, am I qualified? Know today that if you just spend time with Jesus, he will give you what you need. We have an assignment from our Savior. We are here to make disciples. The work that we do is not in vain. We are connected to his eternal kingdom. And we are going to follow the example of Jesus. We're going to give our all, give our all, give our all. Because it is in giving our all that people will see love and life and hope and resurrection bursting forth all around us. If you would, please bow your heads and join me for prayer in this moment.